What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. <sighs> Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Wednesday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. I don't have a, like, quippy intro today. Let's just run it! This is the Wells Cast with Wells Adams, an iHeartRadio podcast. I am so freaking pumped for today's episode, guys. Is it because I had a crush on the guest when I was a kid? Maybe. Is it because I, well, I've already recorded the interview and I know how good it is? Yes. Am I absolutely in awe of this woman and all the things she's accomplished? Abso-freaking-lutely. You guys are in for a treat. I'm telling you what. Our guest today is the star of Hallmark Movies and Mysteries, new series, Matchmaker Mysteries. The new one's called The Art of the Kill. But the amount of stuff that she did before this most recent project is going to blow your mind. Was she America's sweetheart in a little show called The Wonder Years? Oh, you know it. Wait, can we play just like a little bit of Joe Cocker? Just like get people like in the mood for what's happening? Because we need to be transported back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. 7 p.m. on like a Thursday night in the early 90s. You're about to sit down and enjoy the Wonder Years. Fred Savage is going to be there. Winnie Cooper is going to be there. Oh. Yes! Yes, it all started with the Wonder Years, but our guest today has done so much. She's been a mainstay on the Hallmark Channel doing a bunch of Christmas movies like Countdown to Christmas. She did one with Dolly Parton called Christmas at Dollywood. What? She's been in the industry forever, but there's so much more to her story. Like graduating summa cum laude at UCLA. Majoring in mathematics. What? Minoring in physics? Uh, okay. Did she testify before Congress about the importance of women in math and science? Yeah. 
Was she named Person of the Week by ABC World News for tackling math education and simultaneously breaking the stereotype of the math nerd with her highly entertaining and illuminating books? Has she written a bunch of New York Times best-selling books for kids, specifically young women in math? Yeah. I mean, literally, this woman has done everything. Well, not everything. She hasn't been on the Wells cast until today. So strap in, guys. Buckle down, because this one is going to be a good one. Danica McKellar, a.k.a. Winnie Cooper, is going to be on the show. Seriously, don't go anywhere. You don't want to miss it. Mother's Day is coming, and mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint. Get mom Bartesian. It's the countertop cocktail maker that creates your choice of over 60 premium cocktails in less than 30 seconds, each at the touch of a button. Flowers die. Happy hour comes back every day. So get mom the machine that makes amazing cocktails with real fruit juices and craft bitters. Best of all, get $50 off a Bartesian premium cocktail maker with the purchase of one pack of cocktail capsules. So, instead of getting mom a reason to fill a flower vase with water, get mom the easiest, fastest way to fill her glass with the floral notes of gin. The best cocktails are premium cocktails, and the best day to get it for mom is Mother's Day, because you can get $50 off now for a limited time. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother to get the best premium cocktail maker for mom at the best price for you. Artesian, premium cocktails on demand. Hi, I'm Giancarlo Esposito, and I'm here to introduce you to my character, Gray Parrish, from my new series, Parrish. Yeah, I can drive. My character was a getaway driver. Yeah! I'm retired from my life, you know that. His business is failing, his house is going up for sale. He is the everyman. Tell me about this driver job. We got a lot of action in this show. We have moments of real danger, and we want to feel as if anything could happen. Gray is invited to drive for this man. He's invited to make money, and he quickly realizes this is not the right thing to do. I did what you told me to. And he's in a world over his head. Now, let's go! He will try to do what's right and seek justice. Parish, all new Sundays at 9 on AMC and stream on AMC+. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Great. Can I get a check from you really quickly? 3.141592653589979. <laughs> <laughs> Can you keep going with pie there? <laughs> is that where it ends? Well, I have a song. And so if I sing my song, I can get a little farther. <laughs> I wrote a pie song to help people learn multiple. Yeah. That tracks. I really need to brush up on it. I feel like it's been coming up more and more lately. People are like, oh, can you sing the song? I'm like, well, I, I can sing the beginning of it. 
Pi is equal to 3.1415965358979382384626 Anyway. Wow. I can go farther with the song. But the song, the full song has 139 digits, and I don't know the full song anymore, but I used to. It's so funny. I've been interviewing people for a very long time, and it's so interesting when you interview someone who's very smart, what they check with. I don't know if you remember, there's a band called the Old 97s, and the lead singer was this guy named Rhett Miller, who I was a big fan of their band. Still am. And I was like setting up for interview, and I was like, hey, Rhett, can I get a check from you and he reeled off the entire Gettysburg address. And I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. Okay, great. You can add to your list of unique sound checks. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Are you ready? Are you ready to go with this? Yeah, sure. Very excited to have, well, I'll just be honest with you. A uh, childhood crush of mine on the show, the one and only, and I know this is probably annoying for you, but you have to understand, like, you will always be Winnie Cooper to me. But welcome <laughs> to the show, Danica McKellar. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm amazing. I was a huge Murder, She Wrote fan, like a big <laughs> Angela Lansbury guy. And are you like the new age Angela Lansbury with these matchmaker mystery series? Yes, Yes, myself and some others on Hallmark. So Hallmark Movies and Mysteries has a few different of these mystery franchises and uh, these collections of movies, and I'm one of them, and I love it. Yes, we we all play these women who aren't professional detectives or anything, but somehow stumble upon murders more often than your average person, and then somehow are the ones to be able to figure out who did it, who done it. And this, yeah, I play Angie Dove, a professional math matchmaker. And I, uh, this is the third movie in which I stumble across a dead body and I help the detective solve the case. In this one, this is called Matchmaker Mysteries, The Art of the Kill. So it happens in an art museum and it starts off my father in it, played by Bruce Boxliner, Tron, of course. He uh, is a retired cop and he actually was, is helping to, to uh, solve some thefts, investigate some thefts that are happening at the museum. And I go to the museum to have lunch with him and lo and behold, we stumble across a dead body <laughs> as it happens in Angie Dove's life. And yes, Angie is a, uh, a nod to Angela Lansbury. The fact that my character's name is Angie and uh, it, it's awesome. Detective Kyle Carter played by Victor Webster. He and I have great chemistry throughout the three movies. There's been an evolution in the first movie. He was very much like, who is this woman and why is she interfering in my investigation? You should go off and do your little matchmaking thing, honey, and let me, handle the, the murder uh but then by the end of that movie he realizes that i have something to offer in terms of clues because i am really good at reading people that's what i have to do as a matchmaker and so that comes in handy so in the second movie they start to get a little closer and in fact there's a scene where the detective arrests my ex-boyfriend for murder he's a suspect while we're having dinner so at the end of the movie he says i still owe you dessert and in this movie, the third one, he actually makes good on asking me out to dessert. But the question is, because he makes it clear that it's not a date. Is it a date, though? Like, is he asking me on a date? It's kind of a fun dynamic. It's that whole moonlighting thing where the two main characters, like, are they ever actually going to get together or just sort of flirt with the idea? Um, do they really even like each other that much? It's hard to know. <laughs> so it's a really, really uh, fun dynamic in this third movie. And the murder mystery itself is awesome. The guy who's dead is actually a professor 
who is the one who does the provenance for the statues at the museum. So he's the one who says, yes, this statue is worth five million because it really is 3,000 years old. It's not a fake. So when he shows up dead, it starts to raise questions about the provenance of some of these statues. And then we find out that he was having affairs. Um, and so there's all this intrigue. And of course, me being a matchmaker mystery, uh, being a matchmaker on the show, I'm I'm just the right person to figure out who was actually having the affairs and who actually had certain feelings for him and who didn't and all the rest of it. It's amazing. I can't imagine how many of my exes would love to see me get arrested during like a like a get together. <laughs> <laughs> The matchmaker character is based on a real person, right? Yes, Patty Stanger, millionaire matchmaker. Yeah. So when I mean, gosh, years ago, I used to watch that show all the time. Millionaire matchmaker. I don't know. I was I was addicted to it or something. There's something so fun and satisfying about watching her tell everybody, put them in their place, and she just had like really a good moral center, and she wouldn't let people get away with being disrespectful. She had very strict ideas about how you treat somebody on a date. And she had a lot of tough love. And much like Patty Stanger in real life, she is the first to admit that while she's great at setting other people up, she's not so much a master of her own love life. And so same with Angie Dove, this character, which is, again, inspired by her for sure. In fact, she is an executive producer on this movie. Um, you know, Angie does not know how to handle her own love life. So when, when Detective Kyle Carter asks her on a non-date date, she like, and it's for that night, she's like, well, not tonight. And you can just see the wheels turning for Angie. It's like, well, you don't ask somebody else. You never accept a date if they ask you for the same night because then you're too available and all those other things. And she like does not know how to handle being asked on a date. It's hilarious. Yeah, that's like the old adage, like the worst therapy patient is a psychologist. They're the worst at the thing that their speciality is. Oh my gosh, that's funny. It's really funny, actually. So Matchmaker Mysteries, The Art of the Kill, it's on uh, Hallmark Movies and Mysteries. Is it going to go forever? Like, is this something that like can continue to perpetuate upon itself? It could. Right now, we just have these three movies, but it could definitely come back for more, and I'm hoping that it will. But that also is a mystery. Nice. So who knows? I feel like you've kind of found this like really nice pocket of doing a lot of like Hallmark Channel stuff. I've been seeing you've been doing a lot of Christmas movies and stuff is being yep. a part of like the Hallmark family. It seems like it would be such a warm and cozy place. It is. It really <laughs> is. I feel so lucky to be a part of the Hallmark family, both on the Hallmark channel and Hallmark movies and mysteries. It's just so nice to be a part of channels that make movies that make people feel good. You know, especially these days, I feel like it's a nice escape. Hallmark land is a nice escape because everybody, I mean, nothing ever gets too dark, even in the murder mysteries. It's the Hallmark version of murder mysteries. So you know that anybody can watch it and you're going to feel happy and satisfied by the end of the movie. Things are going to work out the way you want them to. And that's just a nice comforting feeling. And when, when you look around and the world seems to be changing and shifting so much, watching a Hallmark movie, you know that you're going to feel that stability that you crave. <laughs> So what I love, and I will say, I really feel like in some ways, these characters that I'm playing on Hallmark are like a continuation of the Wonder Years because it's the same wholesome kind of um, quality entertainment and the same type of like good person. You know, Winnie Cooper was a good person. She was strong. She she had stuff she went through and her parents got divorced and all sorts of stuff, but she was strong and, and, and kept pulling herself up by her bootstraps and she was kind to people. And that's how these characters are. And I really... 
I love putting good stuff into the world because, you know, I get offered other things. I get offered stuff and I just read the scripts and I just say, I, I just don't want to put that out in the world. I know that as an actress, you know, I'm supposed to like do all different kinds of roles, but I don't know at this point in my life, I, I know what I want to be doing. I'm, I'm, I'm a mom, you know, I homeschool my son. I write my math books to help other kids in math and I do my Hallmark movies and I have my wonderful husband. I'm very, very happy doing these and I uh, am really grateful that I get to keep doing them. I think it's smart in terms of what Hallmark is doing because, yes, granted, I am a manly, red-blooded American who likes football and baseball. But when the holidays come around, I do like to like make some hot cocoa and sit and watch some holiday movies. You know, the high-powered businesswoman that comes back to the small town and falls in love with the jilted baker and everyone falls in love. You know, it's like it's like a part of... <laughs> It's a part of the season. And so it's smart that they're making this evergreen, right? Like you can now experience that, but you can experience it all year round with these matchmaker mysteries, which is cool. That's true. And then, of course, they also have Christmas in July. And then these days, ever since the pandemic started, they, they show Christmas movies here and there throughout the year. I mean, I'm pretty sure every Thursday you can find a Christmas movie on Hallmark Movies and Mysteries. And I think every Friday, you can find um, a Christmas movie on Hallmark Channel. So you can get your little dose of Christmas. Because again, what's more comforting than Christmas? Like Christmas movies is, is the best. You said a second ago, I get a lot of stuff sent to me and, you know, I turn down some things because I want to do these kind of positive films. But I don't know in what world you'd ever get to work with Dolly Parton other than like this world, I suppose. <laughs> So yeah. whatever you're doing, you're doing it right because getting to work with Dolly Parton seems like the raddest gig in all of Hollywood. I agree. Yes. Doing Christmas at Dollywood in 2019 was the best. It was some sort of just magical opportunity. And it's interesting because I, the reason that movie happened is because of my math books. So if you told me like five years ago, your math books are they're going to be the reason why you work with Dolly Parton. I'd be like, what? <laughs> so she has this incredible organization called the Imagination Library. And so they've donated, I think, 125 million books worldwide now to kids who normally might not be able to afford books. And they chose, a few years ago, they chose one of my books to be part of their program, Goodnight Numbers. So that book, Goodnight Numbers, is now in the hands of like 1.3 million kids who normally wouldn't be able to have a book, let alone one that might help them learn math while they're, you know, just learn to count to 10. I mean, it's a really sweet little book. Um, but because the book was um, brought into their imagination library, the organization had been in touch with me and they asked me to be the narrator for the documentary about the charity. And so I did that back in April of like 2018, I think. Um, I could be getting the dates wrong. But anyway, my, <laughs> so the programming executive at Hallmark said, hey, we're looking to come up with some cool locations for Christmas movies this year. Do you have any ideas for yours? And I had just gotten back from Washington, D.C. at that point. This was 2018. I had um, had a chance to read Goodnight Numbers in front of the Library of Congress uh, for the Dolly Parton Imagination Library event. And I was like, well, and so Dolly Parton was just on my mind, and I hadn't gotten to meet her yet. Okay, so I hadn't narrated the, the documentary yet because uh, I got to meet her then too. I hadn't met her yet. I'd done this event with Dolly Parton. There was a big cardboard cutout of Dolly there at the event but no Dolly. And so I said, well, you know what? What about Christmas at Dollywood? And, and, and uh, the executive said, we love it. Let's, I said, well, should I go get like a, a producer and a writer and put together a pitch? She said, yes. And so we did. 
And next thing you know, the next Christmas, we got Christmas at Dollywood, and I got to work with Dolly Parton. It was amazing. She is electric. For anybody who's ever met Dolly Parton, you just, she walks into a room, and she instantly knows how to make everybody feel great. I don't know how she does it. It doesn't even matter how big or small the room is. She'll make you feel important, and she'll make you feel good. And that's her gift. It's well, one of her many, many gifts. I could fangirl about her for the rest of our interview if you don't stop me. In terms of philanthropy, second to none. Oh, I know. She is just, can't speak higher of anyone in this world. So I think that's just like super cool. That's like getting to meet Elvis or so. I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know if I can yeah. make a. No, I know, I know. <laughs> I know. And when, when my, so when Goodnight Numbers was first brought into the Imagination Library, there was, I got sent a letter. Well, they sent a letter to my publisher who sent it to me and she signed it, but they put it in one of those puffy envelopes that didn't have any backing. So it was wrinkled. And I was like, oh. <sighs> This is wrinkled. Like, how could they sit? And I like, try to press it. I have it in a frame, <laughs> even though it's wrinkled. It's like, oh my gosh, Dolly Parton signed something for me. And if I'd known like a couple years later, I was going to get to actually work with her, I probably would have fainted. But I, she's, I'm, um, I'm so grateful that somebody like Dolly Parton exists. That's kind of, in summary, I'm just glad that she's part of this planet and she can never, ever die. So if we somehow get the potion for living forever, we have to all agree to give it to Dolly Parton. And I think everybody would agree, actually. Yeah. Dolly Parton is the personification of Hallmark. Like she's just good <laughs> and positive and- <laughs> Yes, I agree. I agree. I hope we get to do another one with her, so. You touched on it. You know, it was the catalyst that got you to work with the one and only Dolly. You graduated, was it summa cum laude from UCLA? Yep. You're a super, super smart person. Was your major math and then your minor physics? Yes, exactly. That's hard. Yeah. It was hard, but you know what? Honestly, part of the reason why I did it is because I like a good challenge. To be honest, I mean, the math, I, I've always loved a good challenge. And I, and I, and I, math and I get along. I mean, I'm not like, I'm not a savant. I'm, it's not super easy. I always had to study. Physics, for some reason, was always more challenging. In fact, it was like, it would sort of needle me how difficult it was for me. So I decided to face that fear and go ahead and minor in it. I was in like freshman or sophomore physics. And in the meantime, in graduate, was like as a senior, as a senior in college, I was like in sophomore physics and, and taking graduate level courses in math. And I was in, I spent all my time in the physics tutoring center hours, like trying to <laughs> wrap my head around these things um, just because I like a good challenge. So that explains a lot about me. I'm kind of one of those people where if you say, I bet you can't do that, it becomes a little irresistible. I mean, as I've gotten older, I, that's tempered a little, but it's still in there. I might not act on it, but I still feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> this is the time when you, you face your fears and you figure out what you're made of. And part of what I like about math is that you can't get away with like not actually understanding it. You've got to actually understand it to succeed. And there's a right and there's a wrong answer. You have to push yourself and you have to, you have to face those fears and face those challenges. And when you do that, by the way, you get something from it. You teach yourself that you've got more fortitude than you thought because you, you know, you're, you're facing a math problem and you feel like you can't do it. And, uh, and then, and if you stay with it, you stick with it and you keep pushing and then you do solve it. I mean, I remember thinking of this as like a math high, you get to a new place and it gives you confidence that I believe extends far beyond mathematics. And this is what I tell my readers because I've got, I've written math books now and they're all super fun and entertaining with cartoons and little fun stories for ages zero through 16, all the way up through high school geometry. And my whole point is to make it fun and accessible, but also to explain to my readers, Hey, 
you don't want math to be super easy. You want it to be a struggle. You want it to be challenging because that's how you get stronger. If you went to the gym, it's like going to the gym for your brain. If you went to the gym and you lifted light weights all day long, you wouldn't get anywhere. It's when you struggle through and then you succeed and you build and each time you can do a little more and a little more. That's what builds your brain and builds your confidence. And then in life, because life is going to throw a lot of obstacles your way, it always does. It's just how life is. You will have prepared yourself in a way that not only are you a good problem solver, because that problem solving logic does extend to other parts of life as well, but just the, the exercise of facing obstacles and saying, wait, I, I've been in a situation before where I thought I could do something and I stuck with it and I did figure it out. Maybe this is one of those situations too. Like that actually really is valuable. And so I say to I mean, college, you know, it's, it's good to do what you're interested in, but especially when you have to be in a math class, I always encourage kids, you know, run into this head first. You get those tutoring hours, get resources to help you if you need it, like my books or other things online, whatever, uh, and stick with it and, and strengthen yourself because that's something that is, is a gift only you can give yourself and nobody else can take it away. You're a New York Times bestselling author with these math books. I guess my first question was, is that a tough pitch to publishers to be like, all right, stick with me, math. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know, girls and math has been a hot topic for a long time. And when my first book came out in 2007, uh, the pitch was, I didn't have, so the title ended up being Math Doesn't Suck. Um, at the time I didn't, I wasn't sure of the title, but it was like the intelligent glamour girl. Like my whole thing was breaking stereotypes. Okay, I just got a degree in mathematics. I'm like, I'm gonna make math fun and yes, girly, because I wanna, I want to, to dispel this myth that you have to choose between being the fun, popular girl and the brainy, nerdy girl who doesn't have any friends. Like what? No. And 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 when girls are aspiring to be glamorous, I want them to not just look at these magazines and say, oh, I want to be like one of those models. No, the kind of glamorous you want to aspire to be is like the woman in her designer suit and four inch heels walking on Wall Street to a really important job. That glamour, like that, that that's powerful. Um, and so that was really my goal. And that was that was the pitch. It's like, hey, we're going to get girls to embrace their smarts. And so the whole thing with math doesn't suck. It's the cover. I look all kind of cute and fun and like, hey, let's do some math, you know, um, and I tell stories in it uh, that can be kind of girly and, and silly but yet also legitimately teach the math concepts. So that's been kind of, that was my thing from middle school and high school. And then when I went younger and did elementary school stuff, that's more, they're more co-ed. They're, they're more about cartoons and silliness and in and, and, and a more co-ed kind of style. But the older kid books were definitely geared more towards girls. Not that boys don't use them. I've had lots of boys say they, they learn math and get some insight into how girls think. But uh, they are, you know, if you look at them, you're like, oh, these are books for girls. Are there plans to write more New York Times best-selling math books? Yes, there are. Uh, yeah, I've got one coming out in February of next year. But I, we're not. We haven't done a title reveal yet or a cover reveal yet. That'll probably be the summer. Uh, that one will be another picture book. So my most popular picture book right now um, is Ten Magic Butterflies. Came out a few years ago, and it's the story of ten flowers that one by one get turned into butterflies by this fairy overnight. And because they all want to, they all wish they could fly. What it does is it teaches you different ways of making 10. So first there's 10 flowers, then it's nine flowers and one butterfly, then there's eight flowers and two butterflies, and it goes through. And by the end, they all realize that they miss being flowers. And then it's a lesson about, you know, let's be grateful for who you are and embrace who you are and not try to change. So that book, it, it's a picture book with like a little math snuck in. 
is kind of like how I like to think about it. And this next one that comes out in February will also have that same kind of model. What would you say you're not good at? I'm not good <laughs> at taking time for myself to just relax and do nothing. I'm terrible at that. I, if I don't feel productive, in fact, if I'm not doing two things at once, I'm not doing two things at once right now. <laughs> But mostly, if I'm not doing two things at once, actually, I am. I'm stretching right now. I've, I've got my leg up, so I'm getting a nice stretch. My leg. I feel weird if I'm not doing two things at once. <laughs> I, I have a hard time with it. In fact, I get like this thrill of excitement when I realize I'm going to be able to multitask. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so that's my issue. That's a little insight. I like how your downfall is being too productive. But then sometimes I just like crash, and I got I just have to like sleep for a weekend because I'm just exhausted. Yeah. My, ho- my husband's always like, you gotta relax more. And he's good. So we went to Joshua Tree this weekend and just like hung out. But like, I'd be lying if I didn't say I was, you know, trying. I was like, oh, wait, this will be good for social media. You know, it's like, it's, my fans would love this. This is so cute. Oh, wait, turn around. Let me get the picture. Is that really truly relaxing then? I don't know. I love it. You are a very high functioning human being. It's really, really interesting to talk to folks like you because At the end of the day, like the idea of this show is origin stories. It's like how people that are successful became successful and then how people and how like my listeners can use those lessons as a blueprint to then also become successful. It is very obvious as to why you are successful, I think, just from like that first 15 minutes of of chatting with you. Um, Before I pivot over to my portion of the show, I want to put a bow on all the stuff you're doing. So, I mean, obviously the Matchmaker series is first and foremost that we're trying to promote. So tell everyone kind of like where they can watch that and how they can watch that and what they need to look for. So Matchmaker Mysteries, The Art of the Kill, that premieres this Sunday, April 18th at eight o'clock, seven o'clock central on Hallmark Movies and Mysteries. And I will be live tweeting for it. You can find me at Danica McKellar on Twitter for that. I'm also on Instagram. Um, and I've got, on Instagram, I've also got matchmaker mysteries account for this movie and you'll see all sorts of behind the scenes pictures and you can see pictures and videos from past movies as well if you want to catch up on that um so i that's one way to to, uh, to interact with a movie and me is to live tweet with me i will be doing some pictures uh some photos signed photos giveaway for the movie so just take a picture of yourself watching the movie with your tv in the background and send it to me and i'll pick a few winners for signed pictures yeah so that's that's matchmaker mysteries that's this sunday do you have a couple minutes to talk about how you got to this point? Sure. All right, quick break. When we come back on the Wells cast, the very high-functioning Danica McKellar. Stick around. <laughs> Mother's Day is coming, and mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint. Get Mom Bartesian. It's the countertop cocktail maker that creates your choice of over 60 premium cocktails in less than 30 seconds, each at the touch of a button. Flowers die. Happy hour comes back every day. So get Mom the machine that makes amazing cocktails with real fruit juices and craft bitters. Best of all, get $50 off a Bartesian premium cocktail maker with the purchase of one pack of cocktail capsules. So, instead of getting mom a reason to fill a flower vase with water, get mom the easiest, fastest way to fill her glass with the floral notes of gin. The best cocktails are premium cocktails, and the best day to get it for mom is Mother's Day, because you can get $50 off now for a limited time. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother to get the best premium cocktail maker for mom at the best price for you. Artesian, premium cocktails on demand. 
Hi, I'm Giancarlo Esposito, and I'm here to introduce you to my character, Gray Parrish, from my new series, Parrish. Yeah, I can drive. My character was a getaway driver. Yeah! I'm retired from life, you know that. His business is failing, his house is going up for sale. He is the everyman. Tell me about this driver job. We got a lot of action in this show. We have moments of real danger, and we want to feel as if anything could happen. Gray is invited to drive for this man. He's invited to make money, and he quickly realizes this is not the right thing to do. I did what you told me to. And he's in a world over his head. Now, let's go! He will try to do what's right and seek justice. Parish, all new Sundays at 9 on AMC and stream on AMC+. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. All right, welcome back to the Wells Cast. Very excited to have the star of the uh, Matchmaker Mysteries on uh, Hallmark Movies, Danica McKellar, on the show. It was really funny, like, during the break, you and I were chatting. I was like, man, you're doing a lot. And then you were saying, no, see, the problem is that I was listening to myself talk, and I was thinking I should be doing so much more. And I think that that is bonkers because there are only 24 hours in the day, Danica, and... I thought I should be doing more is that when you said is there anything else you want to talk about I thought oh my gosh am I supposed to have more to talk about <laughs> I was like oh, something fun. maybe I should be doing more that's normally I I do feel like I'm doing a lot but then it doesn't take much for my uh a paranoid moment I think the reason why I asked that question is because you've got so much on the resume that I feel like I probably didn't like rip through everything that I needed to. I truly appreciate (laughs) having a journalist ask you if there's anything else you want to talk about is a gift and I love it and I appreciate it. I always just thought you'd think it was funny. So I went ahead and shared what was actually going on in my head. Well, (laughs) everyone needs to watch the Matchmaker Mysteries, The Art of the Kill. This is the third installment of this story, correct? Yes, Matchmaker Mysteries, the third movie. This is the murder that happens in the museum. So it's the latest whodunit. And I will be live tweeting, and I want people to tell me if they can figure out whodunit before Angie Dove does. So I don't know if anyone told you, but I'm just obsessed with origin stories and how people who are successful became successful um, your story is going to be a little bit different than most people that we have on the show because so much of your life was in the spotlight as a as a young person. But then there were a big chunk of years where I think you kind of took a step back and you really focused on your studies and education and stuff. And then you're definitely now very much in the forefront again. So um, let's go back to the beginning. You are from where? I'm from San Diego originally. And were you always an entertaining, look at me, mom and dad, I need to be in show business kid? How did this all come about? Embarrassingly, yes. My mom says that I was five years old when she saw me staring at myself in the mirror and I was making faces at myself and wouldn't stop. 
And then if you see, we had like an old camcorder back. We're, you know, we're talking about the 80s now, okay? Um, just to go ahead and date myself. And if you look at, you know, the camcorder footage, you'll see that like I, like, I look like a serene, regular kid. And then I notice the camera's on and I become a ham. I'm like, hey, and I'm making all these faces. What? So, and I remember when my cousin and my sister and I would get together at family, at family reunions and things at my grandmother's house, we would put on plays. Like that was the whole thing. By the end, like we're all together for a few days. The last night we're going to put on a show. And so we'd we whatever we'd usually hijink something like Cinderella and put it together with some other story, Batman or whatever, and we'd like put together a thing and 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 then we'd get tips at the end and <laughs> just it was like yeah I guess I've always liked entertaining and, and making silly jokes, making making people smile and making people laugh and so yes the answer is yes I think I always wanted to do this. What was your break into the entertainment industry? My mom was friends with Leslie Ann Warren through her boyfriend at the time, I think, Leslie Ann Warren's boyfriend. And this was back when we just moved to Los Angeles. And um, uh, she suggested that we go to Lee Strasberg Institute for acting. And we, my mom was like, well, if you want, it's like an all-day thing. Are you sure you want it? And we're like, yeah, let's try it. And uh, we loved it. And it was, it was a the Saturday program that was like five hours. And we, my sister and I, uh, did that for a while and they did a play and we were in a play and then an agent saw that and they're like, oh, we're these two little girls. They seem fun and started doing commercials. But we had a rule. My mom had a rule for the family that acting was just a hobby. It was not going to become a lifestyle. So we weren't allowed to audition for series regulars or any movies or anything that would take us out of town. And the Wonder Years was only supposed, the Winnie Cooper role was just supposed to be a guest role on the pilot episode. It wasn't supposed to be a regular role or I never would have auditioned for it. So I auditioned for that and got the job. And then four days into it, they offered me a series contract. And my mom was like, uh, I don't know. But she said, look, because the other moms on set were so down to earth. She'd been on a lot of sets already and seen a lot of women who were like, Argh. Getting, you know, stage moms stage pushing mom. their kids on the camera, um, seeing kids who were like sick and their mom was pretending that they weren't sick or like, oh, they're fine, they're fine. But my mom was very different. If we even had a sniffle, she was like, nope, you're staying home. <laughs> like production would have to stop. She's like, well, I don't care. That's, that's what it is. So she was very much an advocate for her kids um, being kids first and protecting us. And she noticed that the other moms on the Wonder Years were the same way. So she says, you know what? This If, if we were going to do something like this, this would probably be the the ideal situation. I was like, please, mommy, please, please, please. And she said, all right. So she got this great lawyer who created some sort of loophole. Cause when you sign a contract, you're locked in for six, seven years if they want to keep renewing it. So she like did a thing where we, there was some loophole. She's like, anytime you want to get out, you just let me know. And that's, that's how it started. Okay. So how old are you when you book wonder years? Well, what does your sister think? Cause she like, Damn it. Well, she, yeah, she and I both auditioned actually for the role of Winnie Cooper, but it, it wasn't like that. I mean, they actually liked her so much that they put her in nine episodes um, oh, really? as Becky Slater. And, uh, but she's not, she was never quite as into entertainment as I was. Like today, for example, she's a lawyer and um, now she runs a venture capitalist company and investing in science and like, like crazy awesome technology that's helping the world. Uh, so, she, you know, she's got a different focus. And she always did. But she was great. I mean, she was great as Becky Slater. Jesus, the McKellar sisters are She went to, oh my gosh, crazy. I'm just going to brag about her for a second. She went to Yale and then took a year just for fun to, you know, go to Oxford and then came back and, um, and then got her law degree at Harvard. So, you know, and that was right around the time of Legally Blonde and she's blonde. 
so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> You're the real Lily Vaughn. You're the real deal. So at 12, you, you booked a pilot. When did you understand that it was a cultural phenomenon? I was probably about 20. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you have no, pr- when you're a kid, yeah. everything you do, you think is normal. Like it didn't, I mean, the fact that the Wonder Years premiered following the Super Bowl, like the very first episode, I, I, I mean, I would hear people say, oh, that's amazing. That's a really good time slot. But it didn't like occur to me. It just didn't, it didn't resonate. I didn't get it. And I didn't get the whole America's Sweetheart thing. I remember someone telling me that I was America's Sweetheart. who was actually on set. And I was like, what? I, I was busy going to school on, on the days that I wasn't working. And I wasn't, I didn't go to Hollywood parties. I did not have that perspective. I really didn't. I really, truly did not get it. And that's actually perfectly fine. It's perfectly fine. Yeah, I think I assume that's the, the right mentality to have about something. But now as an adult, I mean, I grew up on The Wonder Years. Like, do you look back? Do you ever watch those shows or is it that's a different lifetime? I mean, it's a different lifetime, but my son's 10. And so I kind of figured when he turned 12, I'd start showing him the show and see if he likes it. I mean, he's people. It's funny. People say, "Oh, you look exactly the same." But if you show my son a picture of me on the Wonder Years, he'll be like, "Who's that?" <laughs> he, he doesn't see it, <laughs> which is kind of funny. It's also really cute because he's starting to look like he's ten, so he's almost the age that I was when I did the show, and and I I see like he's got my eyes completely and and my cheeks, and so I, I see it. I see that. It's like oh. he also looks a lot like Fred Savage because I mean, to be honest, Fred and I kind of look alike, especially back then. And people will say, your son looks like Fred Savage. Why does your son look like Fred Savage? <laughs> Trust me, it's not, he's not the father, okay? He's not some Kevin Winnie fantasy come true. I promise. Uh, but he does look an awful lot like Kevin Arnold. It's a, it's a little odd. That's hilarious. <laughs> I don't want to focus too much on The Wonder Years, even though I feel like we could do an entire episode just on that show. But I do know that Fred is now directing kind of like a new iteration of The Wonder Years, but it's vastly different in terms of the family that they're choosing. Right. Yeah. It's not a reboot. And I've caught myself calling it a reboot. And it's really not. It's it's inspired by. I like the idea of a different iteration because it's a different family. It's also 1968, but it's a black family in Atlanta. And it's also a boy. It's also a boy told with a narrator of the boy when he's older. So that part's the same. And he's got his family and his friends at school and he's got his struggles and he's got his unrequited love interest, you know, but her name's not Winnie and his name's not Kevin. So they're different people. Uh, but, but I read part of the script and it looks, I really need to finish reading it. Cause every time I do an interview, I'm like, I read part of the script. <laughs> it's really, really cute. It's really, uh, really, really well done. And the people involved are incredibly talented. So I, I know it's going to be great. And probably a very timely time for that show to come out right now as well. So it'll be a good story to hear. The Wonder Years was always a very timeless show. And I really feel that this one is going to be as well um, in a lot of ways. It's it's just it's, it's examining a time in history and what were people going through. But really, what a 12-year-old boy is going through... Um, uh, there are a lot of universal themes and I'm, I'm hoping that this will feel universal to audiences as well, because I think that's what made the show so successful is that everyone could relate. So the wonder years ends. What does Danica do next? Danica went, are we doing pre- present tense? Danica <laughs> goes to college. And <laughs> Danica goes to college. Yes. And then the rest of the episode, only degree. third person, please. <laughs> <laughs> I went to college and I think you talk in the present tense, but I'm talking in past tense, yeah. right? 
Yes. So I went, I went to college and uh, I did act for the first year of college. I did, what did I do? I did a TV movie for NBC. They were still doing TV movies back then. And I did an episode of Babylon 5 and I did a couple other things. And then I realized this is not working because when you're in high school and you're acting at the same time, you know, the teachers are understanding and they give you your assignments. But in college, they're like, um, you weren't here for the final exam. I'm like, I know, I know. Um, I can make it up on these different days if that works for you. Like, no, we're failing you. I'm like, oh, we're going to be even incomplete. You didn't. I'm like, but I, nope. Right. So <laughs> but I thought, wait, why am I working so hard trying to juggle two things at once? I mean, the state doesn't mandate that I go to college like it does that I have to go to high school. And I'm not under a serious contract anymore. This is job to job. So I don't have to do this. Uh, and I decided to take a break from acting for the rest of my college career and just focus on my studies. And then it was shortly after that, that I decided I wanted to get a degree in mathematics. And that was, that's its whole own story. I was always really good at math, although it was a challenge, but I was good at it all through high school. But I thought somehow that college math would be really hard, like harder and unattainable somehow. And so, and that was, but it was just in my head because I gotten I'd taken the AP calculus BC exam and I'd gotten a five on it in high school so I don't know who I thought these other college math people were but if I'm really honest with myself I didn't look the part I just didn't look like what I thought a college math student would look like <laughs> and because I like a good challenge I'm like well heck I'm just gonna try this anyway I went ahead and signed up for multivariable calculus and I studied all my calculus notes from high school I mean I studied I knew everything I knew every trigonometric integral formula everything and I took this first midterm exam in the class, and I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I failed. I failed. Uh, I got a 22 out of 40. But as it turns out, this was some sort of a weeder test because the, the, the reason I know this is because the professor graded, he, he like put, he graded all the grades, then he, he took a, uh, on the chalkboard and created a graph of the grades. Nobody's name was on there, but in a, a class of 160 people, one person got 22 out of 40. That was me. Two people got two people got fifteen, and then it was nine and below the rest of the class. So he he, he graphs this distribution on the chalkboard, and I'm looking at my test going, "Wait, I'm the twenty-two. I'm the twelve. I'm looking around at all these people, all these people who looked like math students to me, and I didn't feel like I belonged. Let's face it, I was not in the majority, being female even, um, and and uh, I was blown away. And that was, and that was a turning point, both because of just realizing that I had a gift, like I was actually good at this. And the next day, and remember, this was right after the Wonder Years ended. So every day on campus, people were like, are you, aren't you that girl? Aren't you that girl's on TV? Aren't you that girl who played winning people? The day after the midterms had been handed back, somebody tapped me on the shoulder and said, excuse me, aren't you that girl? And I figured they were going to say, from the Wonder Years, they said, aren't you that girl who got the 22? And I was like, oh. <laughs> I, was, I was hooked. I was like, wow, wait a minute. And I felt this sense of identity that comes from from something other than my childhood TV show. And trust me, a lot of child actors, a lot of the issue is that they're wondering what their value is now, now that that show's over. And I found that and it was it was gold, it was gold for me. And so that was really what kicked off my whole math career, deciding to just focus on math and say, you know what? I was gonna be a film major. I was like, I'll do film later. I'm gonna be a math major now and, and make that my focus. And I loved it, I loved it. I loved getting up and putting a ratty t-shirt on and jeans and no makeup. and and just going to class and just like, just to me, that was glamorous. It sounds really silly, but it's, it's the truth. I really felt like kick ass. 
I'm trying to think of what I think a math major looks like. Did you ever see the movie Real Genius with Val Kilmer? Yes. <laughs> I, that's what I'm yes. thinking you're talking about right now <laughs> in this yeah. story. Well, certainly male, you know? Yeah. And then Asian male. I mean, right? It's a stereotype. And I love breaking stereotypes now. That's why when I wrote Math Doesn't Suck, I it's that was the first book I wrote. It's for middle school girls. I mean, boys use the books too, but it's really focusing on girls and being like, hey, you don't have to, you can be whoever you want to be. You can be glamorous and fun and wear makeup and do your hair and be awesome at math and have a really sharp brain and do the rest of it. It's, it's whatever you want to be. Don't be, don't be limited by, by stereotypes. Once you graduated and got your degree, what happened next? Were you like, all right, I'm going to go start writing math books for kids or I'm going to get back into acting. Like what was the next step in the process? I mean, it's, it's a little messy. It starts, you know, at first I was, um, doing some like independent films that weren't very good. And I, people in the business had assumed that I had, I was a has-been and, and I remember going to some auditions and they're like, Oh, so how have you been? We haven't seen you in a while. And I was like, yeah, no, I went to college and they were like, Oh, well that, Hey, that's great. That's great. That's so great. Like they're a little relieved, you know, they're like, so, so what did you, what major in theater? And I would just love that moment of like mathematics and just like their faces. Like I would just relish that moment. because I'm like, how dare you assume that I'm like off, you know, doing drugs or shoplifting or whatever, you know, all the stuff they <laughs> I was like, oh, you know, uh, it, was, it was very, very satisfying. Anyway, so I, I kind of stumbled back into acting, but it was a rough, it was a rough entry. And it was actually because Aaron Sorkin was a huge fan of mine. And I read for the West Wing and it was just a, Again, it was a small part. They've got bigger. Um, it was like one scene. And I remember my agent saying, do you want to audition for this? It's only one scene. I'm like, it's the West Wing. I love the West Wing. Yes, yes, yes. So I auditioned for it. And this was 2002, I think. And that was it. That was the, the audition that took me back into more uh, mainstream TV again. And and in the meantime, I had started a website. I'd, and, and I was giving, I was like answering people's math questions because <laughs> I was sort of Miss math. So I was sort of straddling both worlds, not really committing. Uh, and then, and then um, it was 2005 when I had an article written about a math paper. So I wrote, I helped to prove a new theorem when I was at college. And for whatever reason, sometimes things just drop out of the sky. Uh, a science writer from, for the for New York Times wanted to write an article about me. And they put me on the front cover of of the science section of the New York Times. And the article was, in between series, so meaning the Wonder Years and the West Wing, actress becomes superstar in math. And that article got me so much attention. And I had a, a couple different book agents call me and say, do you want to like, write a math book of some sort? And now I had spoken in front of Congress a few years before that, shortly after I graduated, about the importance of women in mathematics. And I'd studied the issue a lot and read about how middle school is the time when girls start to shy away from math. Not because they can't do it, but because they feel like they don't belong and they feel like if they study too much or if they're too good at math, they're not going to be accepted. Um, and and they start looking around and going, well, who am I? Well, I don't want to be a, a math nerd, so I'm going to dumb myself down. And really studying this issue and wanting to break that stereotype. So when this one book agent in particular, she and I just clicked on the phone and I was like, actually, I know exactly what I want to write about and who I want to write for. Middle school girls in math. I want them to to embrace it. And that was, that was 2005 that that phone call happened. The book came out in 2007 and that was the beginning of McKellar math. And my 10th book came out this past summer called the times machine for third and fourth graders teaching multiplication and division. So I wrote like middle school and high school 
And then I came back and started young again with Goodnight Numbers. That was the Dolly Parton um, ended up in her program and then making my way up through elementary school. And then this summer, it was interesting that I would finish the Times Machine and it would come out because now that filled in the last gaps. So now I've got books for all ages from zero to 16 and just in time for the, the pandemic. This is probably great for a lot of moms who are now having to be teachers as well, though. Exactly. Well, because the math looks different now. Yeah. You know, for first for through fourth grade, it looks different. It's all different. I, I've got this new math translation guide for grownups in the back of, of um, both Do Not Open This Math Book, which is first and second grade, and The Times Machine, which is third and fourth grade. Oh, that's so smart. Both my sisters called me and they were like, did you know they changed math? I was like, I don't know. I didn't know they could do that. But no, that's interesting. So. Uh, yep, they did. They did. In 2011 is when it started and then it became more and more common throughout the following years. And I couldn't believe that nobody had written a resource for parents in, yeah. during that time. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, oh, dude, I'm running out of time with you, which bums me out. But I need to know about testifying before Congress. First of all, how did that come about? So after, so after I graduated, after I graduated with my degree in math, I the very first job I did was actually an episode of a show called Working that Fred Savage was doing. That got me all this press, like Winnie Cooper's The Math Whiz. So that's so that's out in the world now. Everyone's talking about that, and like, why would you do math? Blah blah. blah. Um, there was um, a commission that was in Congress that was trying to get more money. I think it was for college grants. I think it was, or anyway, scholarships. I think it was something like that for college. Basically, they wanted more money for for women in college, and so they wanted me to speak to the importance of this. They have to understand. I was just graduate. I just graduated with a degree in math. I'm a literal person anyway, and I'm very, I don't read between the lines very well at all. It's just who I am. And so I was asked to speak about the importance and what I, what I thought about this. I was not thinking about the fact that they probably just wanted me to help them get money for their thing. I was like, oh my gosh, it is time for me to testify in front of Congress about the importance of women and what the real issue is. And I studied, they gave me this hundred page report and I'm like, there's no way that everyone on this committee, the subcommittee of technology is a science there's no way they read all this. I studied the whole thing. I mean, I studied it. And I, and, I, and then I read the executive report that they probably read it. They read it's very, and all the really important stuff was in the actual reports and documents and studies. The little report, the little executive summary they created for the members of Congress didn't show how important middle school was. It only talked about college. I'm like, you guys, I was like, I was like, you guys, it's not in the executive summary, but here's the real deal. And meanwhile, the people who flew me out there were probably like, oh my gosh. And I didn't even, I didn't, this did not occur to me until years later. Because I stood up in front of Congress and I said, so I'm not sure if you guys had a chance to, my dad was there with me. He still laughs about it. He goes, you told Congress that they probably didn't have a chance to read the whole thing. But I said, I wasn't even, and he said, and after I said, you probably didn't get a chance to read the whole thing. And it's not in the executive summary, but here's the deal. It really starts in middle school. And that's where we need more money is for teachers in middle school. And, um. Anyway, so that was that experience. And I pledged to them. I said, and, and I said, a major problem is that math has bad PR. I said, you know, girls, and it happens in middle school. And, and I pledged to you to, to use my, you know, my, my public platform to get math the best PR possible. We need to, math to be explained in more fun terms for kids. And we need there to be a general feeling in society that math does not make you a nerd. It makes you more powerful. So this is my impassioned speech. I only had four minutes. I delivered everything in four minutes to them. And uh, never heard from those people who invited me again. <laughs> and uh, but I, you know, I you swear in front of Congress that you're going to tell the truth. I mean, this is a big, this is a huge deal for me. So then I decided to, I and mean, I, I've been fulfilling that promise ever since of getting math better PR and helping math to be more fun 
for kids because it's the way it's presented that makes all the difference. That was that was in 2000. So I've been doing it for 21 years now. Well, I think that's so cool and so rad. And I mean, you've done a lot of stuff, but to me, that seems like such an amazing accomplishment to get to go do. So congratulations. Well, well, yeah, and I, my, my dad tells it that after I said, you probably didn't get a chance to read it, but there's really important stuff in the actual report that the guy goes, well, why don't you tell us what's in there? Yeah. <laughs> lowers his glasses. All right, young lady, why don't you go ahead and tell us that? Why don't you educate us? I'm like, okay, so here's what's in there. <laughs> Middle school. Da -da 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 -da. First of all, the speed in which your brain works is really, really fun energy to be around. But it makes a whole lot of sense for me, and I would assume everyone listening, of why you are so successful. Uh, one question I do ask a lot of my guests is, what's the one credo that you live by or one rule that you have that you think has helped you continue to be successful in life and in business and everything in between? Well, I will break that down into two things. Most important is that you have to be living in your integrity, whatever it is. And ask yourself, does it ring that truth bell or are you ignoring a red flag? Like you've got to know if the choices that you're that you're about to make, is that something that you're gonna that you'd be proud to tell anybody that you decided to do? And if you can't, if you're not proud to tell everybody that you made that choice, don't make that choice. It's as simple as that. Because you'll regret it later. You'll feel bad about it later at some point. And so there's that. But in terms of what I think has helped me to be successful, because look, let's face it, you can be successful and not live in your integrity and just feel horrible about yourself and yet you're successful, right? So that's that side of it because you want to be able to look yourself in the mirror for real because it'll haunt you and on your death, but you're not going to care about the money you made. You're going to care about how you felt and how you made other people feel. But the, in terms of being successful, to me, the biggest trick that I've learned, and this helps me with everything that I'm feeling apprehensive about doing or there's a daunting task, something my dad taught me. He learned it from a Dale Carnegie lesson and that is, this one little phrase that you tell yourself, and that is, let me at him. Let me at him. And you have got to say it to yourself with just, just commitment. Let me at him. You can even tense up your stomach a little to, to get rid of the butterflies. Let me at him. So this can be before a job interview. This can be before a difficult conversation you have with somebody in your personal life. Whatever it is that you're feeling apprehensive about, it can be before you start, you know, you've been wanting to write a book for years and you've never started. Anything like that. Anything at all. Let me at him. Let me at him. And just keep saying that to yourself. You'd be amazed at how changing your internal dialogue actually changes like your body chemistry and the feelings that you're having about whatever it is. Write it down on a post-it note. Everybody who's listening, there's a reason you're listening to this. This message is meant for you. Write it down. Stick it up there. Um, and you'd be amazed at where, where it'll come in handy. I love it. Before I let you go, do you have some time for some rapid fire questions? Sure. All right. Rapid fire questions with Danica McKellar. Would you rather be rich and sad or poor and happy? Poor and happy. Night in or a night out? Night in. What's your hidden talent? <laughs> Picking things up with my toes. Early bird or night owl? Night owl. Coffee order? No coffee for me. Favorite pizza topping? Olives. Who was your first kiss? Well, that was with Fred Savage on The Wonder Years. Crazy. First concert you ever went to? Thriller by Michael Jackson. Wow. Really? Yep. Damn, that's a good one. That might actually win for best answer for that question. I watched him, you know, moonwalk. First, Sat behind John Ritter. R.I.P. Yeah. First job you ever had? It was a Volkswagen Club commercial. Who would you call to get you out of jail? I guess my husband. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a celebrity crush? Not currently, but when I was little, it was Michael J. Fox. That's a good one. And last one, what is something that you haven't done in your career that you'd like to going forward? 
and like to work with Dolly Parton. Oh, wait, I already got to work with <laughs> oh. Dolly Parton. Uh, you know what? You know who I love? Uh, I just think he's super talented is Robert Downey Jr. I think it'd be a lot of fun to be in a scene with him and something. Very cool. Danica McKellar, you've been absolutely amazing to chat with everyone out there. Do not miss Matchmaker Mysteries, The Art of the Kill. It's coming up this Sunday on Hallmark, correct? This Sunday on Hallmark Movies and Mysteries channel, and that's at 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock Central. Where can people follow you? They can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and that's all at Danica McKellar with an A-R at the end. If you're not sure how to spell my name, just type in Winnie Cooper and Danica and you'll find it. <laughs> and then also Matchmaker Mysteries on Instagram if you want to get behind the scenes pictures and videos of the movies. You know, through the pandemic and all the rest of it, I've become much more concerned with trying to help kids in particular. And so I have a whole bunch of children's charities that I donate to. Uh, if you book a personalized video with me at Cameo, so it's cameo.com forward slash Danica McKellar. You can also find the link in my Instagram bio. Um, I donate all of my proceeds to children's charities. So it's places like Child Help, um, My Stuff Bags, these people help um, abused kids and foster kids. And then also some charities that help uh, to fight child trafficking. So not the weird conspiracy theory, sides of it but the actual real side that's happening online right now like every day in every neighborhood so um these some really great great charities that are helping kids a lot and um and i really appreciate it and i would love to do a personalized video for any of you guys birthdays anniversaries you name it mother's day thank you so much for being on the show you are like truly very inspirational to listen to and your story is bonkers so i i appreciate it a lot if you ever want to come back on and finish telling the story because i feel like there's a lot more you're always welcome on this show, okay? Thank you so much. Maybe I'll be in touch in February when my next book comes out. Perfect. Have a great day and see you soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Subscribe to Wells Cast on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you get your podcasts. It's the internet. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.